Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have a dear friend who's going to be on our show today. She is so accomplished, and we are going to talk to her about healing from multiple losses and her story, which is a wonderful story and what she's gone on to do. So Heidi, would you like to introduce her? Sure, Mom. Harriet Hodgson. She is a bereaved parent and a bereaved spouse, and she raised her twin grandchildren after her daughter and her grandchildren's father died. They died, you know, not that far apart. She'll tell, tell us a little more about her story. Harriet has a master's degree in art education. She is the author of 44 published books. Her most recent book is First Steps, First Snow. It's a children's picture book. And actually it is a poem that I wrote in 1983. And it's about a true experience with my husband. And I thought, you know, if I got the right illustrator, it would be a great children's book. The twins' parents died within a few months of each other in separate car crashes. And so you took over the kids. And how old were they? They were 15, which is one tough age. And twins. Wow. Yes. Wow. What teenagers a- into your life and being their grandparent, that is a big undertaking. Well, the, the problem is at age 15, um, kids don't know who they are. Um, and so they have lots of concerns. And I'm sorry to say my twin grandchildren discovered that kids they thought were their friends were not. And kids that they really didn't know very well stepped forward to be friends. Tell our audience what they're doing today. My grandson uh, graduated from the Mayo Clinic Medical School. Wow. Uh, he was a Phi Beta Kappa graduate of high school and college. And now he is a resident at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. My granddaughter, who is a photographer, married a minister. They adopted a brand new baby boy and not that many months afterward discovered they were going to have their own baby. (laughs) So now they have two kids and are running after two toddlers. She graduated with honors from Coe College, a little college in Iowa. Wow. Wow. And you're a great grandmother. I am. Put your hand over your heart when you say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Your wonderful physician husband passed away. How long has that been? It's been just over a year and a half. And uh, it was tough going. I will admit it was tough going. Um, I was a family caregiver for 23 years. uh, So I cared for my mother, my grandchildren, and then my husband, and I was his caregiver for seven years. As a physician, he knew his health was failing. I knew his health was failing, but neither one of us talked about it, which I thought was interesting. We, we didn't talk about the decision. I think we both made a silent decision that the days were so precious 
We were not going to ruin them. We were going to just enjoy them. We were going to joke back and forth. We were going to be as normal as we could. Mm -hmm. um, I think in, in terms of dying, I think he had a peaceful death, but it was difficult mm -hmm. because I tested positive for COVID. Uh. I was quarantined for two weeks. Then I had to go to the ER because I um, was in atrial fibrillation. So I had to quarantine for two more weeks. And at a time when I wanted to see him more, I saw him less. I only saw him a day and a half before he died. Oh, wow. After how many years of marriage? 63. Yeah. Oh, you beat me. I was married for 60. For uh -huh. those who are uh, joining us, my husband passed away around the same time as yes, your I know. I think that our past experience gave us, you know, losing Scott, I think had helped me realize the grieving process and you, you know, having your daughter die. I think, don't you think that we knew a little bit more or, or I call it climbing Mount Everest without <laughs> oxygen when Scott died and when Bill died it was climbing Everest with oxygen I kind of knew the knew the drill and the the toughness but I knew I was going to survive right I and I knew I was going to survive so good for us but um and and I made a conscious decision and that decision was death will be the loser life will be the winner I will make it so Oh. I, I have that written down, Harriet, because that was in the front of your book, of yeah. your book about the daisies. Yeah, with the, yeah, that that's I love that. Daisy oh. a day is the name of the book. Daisy a day, hope for a grieving heart. And I love that it's divided into sections that match your grief journey. So you've got shock and anguish, coping and finding balance, a new meaningful life, and making good from grief. And you'll notice, Heidi, that I purposely didn't use the Kubler-Ross uh, divisions because I have found that uh, I don't quite fit into them. And I go kind of backward and forward mm -hmm. on the grief path. And the final section, Making Good from Grief, came from David Kessler. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he talks about finding meaning and for me, finding meaning was finding the good in my life again. Mm -hmm. And so that's what yeah. I did. Well, and I think you're making a good point because the stages are not rigid. And like you said, we move back and forth between them. And sometimes we don't go through all of them. I love David's book, The Sixth Stage of Grief Meaning Making, because, you know, it is so true. How do we make meaning out of our losses? You know, one of the stages that I really have not gone through is the anger stage. And I have a feeling that you might feel the same way, Harriet. I never was angry. Right. I never got angry at God. I never got angry at life. I will admit I got annoyed at some of the foolish comments that people made. Mm -hmm. And I decided just to cast them aside. That, uh, Give us some of the comments for our audience that people made to you. I, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but one that I couldn't fathom was when God closes a door, he opens a window. And I mean, what does that really mean right. in terms of everyday living? Right. I needed something more specific. I'm kind of a facts person and a nonfiction writer. I needed something more specific. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that finally drove me bonkers it was people kept saying, oh, you're a strong person. You're a strong person. Well, I knew that. I didn't need to be reminded of it constantly. And then what bothered me about it is, you know, strong people falter. We get worn out. And like everyone else, we burst into tears when we don't expect it. Right. I'm still a strong person. And right. just a few days ago, I opened a drawer and I found a velvet box that my husband had sent me from Vietnam. And it was a strand of pearls and pearl earrings. Mm. And there was a note written on a paper bag, a piece of a paper bag. And the note said, I love, W-U-V, I love you. I burst into tears. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I always say, you know, even, and I'm sure with your daughter too, you want to have those feelings. I mean, it's been years since Scott died, years since, but you want to be able to touch that space every so often. I do. And the other thing I decided was that I was going to build on a foundation of my husband's love. I, I kept telling him at, at, toward the end of his life, I, I said, I think I'm the most loved person in America. <laughs> and what was interesting is that People we hardly knew picked up on this. I, we were at a convention and someone came up to me and said, oh, you and your husband love each other so much. And I, I guess we sent off vibes. I have no idea, but I appreciated the comment. And I thought I can build on this. His love made me stronger. And Gloria, I will say, I thought of you time and again. One day you said, You've gone through the worst thing in life, the death of a child, and it made you stronger. And it made you maybe um, try things you didn't think that you would have done before. Right. Well, I learned from that. One of the things I think is really the thing that keeps us going is creating. Oh, you know, yes. Oh, creating uh, find some place in your life that you can create Well, I did that two ways. When my husband was dying, uh, I began to doodle in the mornings to deal with stress. And then uh, I found out it was almost like taking a nap. When I was in the doodle zone, I was in a completely different zone. So I doodled for 20 minutes and that got me ready for my caregiving day. While my husband was dying, I wrote a book, Grief Doodling, Bringing Back Your Tears, uh, the book was published. It's getting a really good track record. And I thought, gee, my husband would be cheering for me. He would be cheering that I wrote that book. He would be cheering about Daisy a day. And he would be cheering about first steps, first snow, because it's a true experience. 
we were at the family cabin and we drove there being true Minnesotans. We drove there through a blizzard. Of course we did. And we got there safely and got the kids snuggled. And then the snow stopped and it was an exquisite night. So much snow that the moonlight sparkled off the snow. And we went out for a walk and it was just ethereal. And I wrote a poem, First Steps, First Snow, which was published in the American Poetry Anthology. And so here I am, a widow, thinking about my life. What have I done? What haven't I done? And I thought, well, heck, if the American Poetry Anthology thought it was good enough for them, it's good enough for a children's book. So I searched for the right illustrator. I went online. I talked with him. I found a watercolor artist who specializes in forests and animals. And I thought, it's going to be a beautiful book. I want it to be beautiful. And it is. And it talks about nocturnal animals. And at the end, the animals are all snug and sound asleep in the forest. And the two kids, who represent my husband and I, are sound asleep in their beds. I a love perfect it. Perfect bedtime story for all ages. <laughs> oh, Harriet, thank you uh, so much for all you've done for the world. And, and I'm so happy to have you on our Open to Hope team. And it is just uh, fabulous. Thank you. Thank you, Harriet. And, you know, I do love what you said about grief will be the loser, life will be the winner. And you are yeah. certainly an example of that. And you are a true example of that. You have had so many losses in your life, but you have gone on not only to survive, but to thrive. Harriet, can you tell people how to find your website and find you? www.harriet, with one T, harriethodgson.net. And Hodgson is spelled H-O-D-G-S-O-N. Well, thank you again for being on the show. <laughs> and uh, we want to thank everybody for watching the show today and listening. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.